Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I just got finished editing the episode with Brad Askew on mortality, the dueling questions we went through. I had a bunch of notes. Brad had some notes, and we just didn't get through everything. I'm sure I'll have him on again, but I just thought I'm going to strike while the iron's hot. This is not in any way a rebuttal. It's more of a rejoinder to uh, the comments we talked about my idea, which I like now, and Brad's even approved it, this hobby executor who might work on a percentage or some fee basis that would help find the best home for some of these cards, decide which auction house and help my heirs. Maybe that could even be by sports. So thank you, Brad, for that. That was something that just came up in the episode, and I like that. The action step in the hobby executors, I got to come up with a list of some people, perhaps even by sport, ready, willing, and able, certainly able but uh, ready or willing based on it wouldn't be a full-time job if I structure it, but I need to structure it and then make the ask and not leave that to my wonderful wife. The second thing we talked about is grading and the importance of grading in the estate plan. If you believe in grading, which I do, I obviously believe in BGS very strongly. I need to be more aggressive. I'm behind schedule and you can't just decide I want to sell something in the current grading climate. You've got to submit it for grading. It's going to take longer than you think, but then you can decide what to do. So I need to not wait till the last minute to get my cards graded. So I'm realizing I need to be a lot more aggressive and it's better for me to make that call about what ought to be graded. Thanks again, for Brad, for that. And then lastly, we, we batted around the idea of my wall of fame, whether that be donated. The action step there is I need to make my wall of fame less personal. There's maybe too much of a local aspect. If it was really a top thousand cards, then a lot of people would be interested in that. But if it's 800 great cards and 200 that are people from the Dallas area, then I probably ought to take out the 200 that are from the Dallas area and and uh, keep that in Dallas. But the timeless high demand cards maybe. Thanks sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugging Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comcy.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Nobody's going to live forever. Uh, that's why mortality does have an effect on everybody. The other thing that affects everybody is that time is money. If I were to engage somebody to be an executor or to sell some cards, I'd love for them to sell every card one at a time for the highest price. But whether I'm still around or not, it, it just doesn't happen that way. The expensive cards, they're going to sell one at a time. The lesser stuff, they're going to group into lots and they may group it into lots that are not the way I would do it. But if I'm not around, I don't have any way to do that. And it's, certainly there's an 80-20 rule. You're going to get 80% of the value out of 20% of the cards. It, it may even be more than that. It may be 90-10 because uh, the, the most expensive cards really bring the most interest and the most spirited bidding. So if I only had a year to live, would I do anything different? I wouldn't dilly-dally with uh, grouping lots of uh, dollar cards. I'd be uh, making sure that the best cards were sold to the highest bidder or put in the right kind of auctions or sold. But one year to live, I've mentioned this before, there's a 1% chance that you will not make it to the end of the year if you're a 60-year-old male. Now, that includes all kinds of different levels of fitness or illness, but one out of every 160-year-old male doesn't make his 61st birthday. If you're 70, it's there's about a 2.5% chance of dying in the next year. And I'm, I'm above 70, so that means one out of 40. On the other hand, if you're 60, and you don't die, you should expect to live another 20 years. And if you're 70, like I am approximately, you could expect another 15 more years. So that, that's what I'm thinking. But on the other hand, uh, some people die. And if it's two and a half percent chance, that's not negligible. It's not to be ignored. I'm trying to take good care of my health. Then once you get to 80, a 6% chance of dying, to not making it to 81 and only eight more expected years. So action step, <laughs> take it seriously. I need to be clearing out the less valuable and bulkier items sooner. My 1% a month or 10% a year, it probably needs to be more than that in terms of the weight in pounds or the uh, cubic feet of storage I need to be reducing. 
And I need to do it and not do something else. I need to accelerate on the lower end. One more concern, I didn't get to this with Brad. When you die in this hobby, and I've been around a long time, there are stories about certain guys that are quick on the spot when a collector dies. This is mainly back in the old days, and they're knocking on the door of the widow. How can I help? But really what they meant was, how can I... Uh, take this burden off your hands. I don't approve of that. There's too many ways to make uh, money. My concern is of all the wonderful people in the hobby that are saying, how can I help? A lot of that is legitimate. But there could be some that say, hey, you know what? Jim promised me that when he died, I could get, if it's, I'm going to pick on some people, <laughs> Adam Gray could say, he said I could have that Jerry Sloan. John Keating said, he said I could have that uh, 53 page. Tanner Jones could have his pick of the Consecos. Brad Askey wants this pick of the Eddie Murray's. Now, again, I'm putting words in their mouth. They're not saying this. Mike Moynihan, my best Juan Gonzalez cards. And of course, John Newman would be more than happy to accept a random act of kindness of the Leaf Jackie Robinson rookie. I'm being facetious, but really, if I want to do that, I need to put it in writing. So if you're knocking on the door, seeing my wife or contacting her or the executor, they're not going to listen to that. If I didn't write it down, and I'm probably not going to write it down for one person unless I do it for everybody, and I don't think I'm going to do it for everybody because I would be leaving out. I I'm really conflicted on that because there's some wonderful people in the industry, but if I put it in a codicil in my will, then it's there. But my wife needs to know I didn't have any verbal agreements that somebody wasn't get going to get something special. And again, that's my action step is to be very clear with my wife that it's if it's not in writing, it, it, it didn't happen. I will endeavor to write down if there's something I really want to do. And I like to bid on lots that have more than one sport because I know I'm going to get a discount because not everybody collects all sports. I'm hoping that when I die, when anybody dies, they don't throw a bunch of uh, cards in a box and say, hey, there's a bunch of random cards, all different sports, maybe even some non-sport in there, uh, some good ones, some bad ones. You just take a huge haircut on that. I, I don't want to do that. If I had separate sport executors and somebody had dibs on the baseball, that'd be great. So if it's just baseball already, well, you're going to get baseball bidders basketball for basketball. So the cohesion of the way the lots are. Now, you y'all know I've talked a lot about Huggins and Scott and Heritage being my auction sponsors, and I appreciate both. The way I look at it, and I want to encourage you to do this too, is to go through some of these auctions that you're interested in that you think you'd want to work with and look at their median winning price. Look at uh, what the minimum bids are, what the estimated values and, and the winning prices. And uh, whatever the winning price is for Huggins and Scott, it's a lot less than what Heritage is. They have more high-end items. If I have a high-end item, I, I probably look more toward Heritage. If it's a, a treasure chest or a shoebox or some other larger quantity, a monster box even, which I bought some of those from Huggins and Scott. So that's where people go. So my action step on that, which I would suggest for others who are listening, is it leave explicit instructions and make an agreement ahead of time. Just for example, for Huggins and Scott, I need to talk to them and I'll see them at the national. If, if it's a $50 minimum bid, they, they don't care about the minimum bid as much as they care about me, but they also care about their fee and their fee is based on what the winning price is. So it needs to be something that'll draw uh, more than one bidder. And if the median winning price of their auctions is say $500, that if I'm putting together lots that I think are going to go for at least $500, then um, they're going to be happy. Uh, if you have a $50 minimum bid and it gets no bid or it wins at 50, well, that's a an unprofitable item for the auction. I don't want to do that to my friends and sponsors. So it's not about the minimum bid. It's being in the wheelhouse of the auction company. And that's where they are. So that I'm going to do. And like I said, I need to have discussions with Heritage as well as Huggins and Scott and perhaps others as well. I'm not limiting to that, but if there's a tie, I'm going with my sponsors. Thanks, everybody. Again, I don't mean to be too morbid. Thanks, Brad, for encouraging me to think about it further. I'm going to keep 
uh, iterating toward what I think is helpful for me, but also helpful for many of you. There's a lot of baby boomers out there that, again, no one lives forever. We do the tribute episodes, and it's not that it's a dangerous hobby. It's very therapeutic, but I need to be uh, sensitive and wise. So thanks, everybody. This is just a little rejoinder on the mortality. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, listeners, and uh, stay healthy.